All right, everybody, you know what it is. It's your boy, Bruce Corsi, a.k.a. Shice Wright, live from the quarantine. Got the whole gang with me and a special guest today. Corsi Radio, everybody. It's Thursday. I'm going to kick it to the PG. Get us started, man. Yes, sir, man. So you know we are here, Corsi Radio, here. It is Corsi Thursday. So, man, we thank you guys for giving us your ear and tuning in to us. Uh, I am the PG, the Magic Johnson of the show. Make sure the thing is rolling smooth and it's always showtime whenever you hear Mike Kelly PG on the mic. So, you know, like Bruce said, the whole gang is here. So, of course, I have to start it off with the uh, the snowflake of the group, our Larry Bird, the small Ford. What's up, Hans? White chocolate in the building, baby. Let's get started. It's good to see you And he gave me the John Wall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went to school in Kentucky. That's all I rep. Big blue, baby. Yes, I'm ready for today. And then, of course, we got um, Mr. Inglewood himself, the shooting guard. Uh, I guess that makes you the Michael Jordan of the show, man. So uh, you got to tell that. you, hey, 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 everybody wanted to be like Mike. It's not just a trend. Look, it's always been that way, baby. But uh, it's Big Mike out of Pappy in the building. Of course, our radio, you know what we do, baby. It's another, yes, sir. another Fuego show. We appreciate our guests. We love you and we'll have him come to you momentarily. Yes, sir. And then, of course, we got Mr. Downtown, Philip Brown, the stretch for Mr. ATL. What's up, man? What's up, man? Y'all already know we're about to get it in. I'm about to get my neck all show. Reporting so, uh, live from the Hope you ready for that. Man, good luck. Live from the ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of capping you were here between very two distinct individuals. Tell me, let's go cap. I'll be fact telling. Yeah, that's hey, that's that's, that's right what there. I'll be doing. <laughs> <laughs> but man, yeah. hey, we are so honored, you know, to be joined today by our guest, uh, Mr. Antonio Williams. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the Courtside Radio with the Starting Five. Man, just introduce yourself to our listeners and. Uh, you know, let everybody know, you know, your background and what you got going on. First off, I appreciate you guys sharing your platform with me. I said this before, I'll say it again. So very appreciative of that. And uh, also, too, looking forward to chopping it up and talking a game with you guys as well. So a little bit about me. Um, I had worked in a multitude of different capacities in sports. Uh, in addition to playing, um, I also worked in the league office in WNBA and NBA basketball ops. Uh, I've also worked in sports media, working at ESPN as a scout, writer, analyst, etc. Worked in sports marketing and basketball sports marketing for Nike. Um, I've also worked in scouting and player personnel for the Boston Red Sox. Um, and won a World Series in 04. So I've done that. And then, uh, of course, worked in scouting, player personnel for the Phoenix Suns, and then also led a basketball division for a major financial management company. So um, I say that because I, I've just been fortunate enough to work in a bunch of different capacities in the business. And uh, certainly now like to share some of those experiences and some of that insight to make sure that we help some of these players that are coming through now and people that are working in the media as well. And right now I'm at Williams basketball and you can go there and see some of my content, some of my analysis. So doing that and uh, enjoying the ride. Yeah. Hey, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yo, man. Thank you uh, so much. So listen, uh -oh. make sure 
let you guys go. Once again, tell them where they can find you on social media. They can find me at a.williamsbasketball. All nothing creative in terms of the spelling. So again, a.williamsbasketball. Okay, man. Sweet, I like you, man. Once again, thank you for joining us. So, man, let's get right to it. Um, so we know it sounds like the NBA is truly close to a return. And we heard so many different ideas. So what I wanted to do was we're hearing everybody else's ideas. What are you guys' ideas? You know, like what idea would you guys throw out there when the league to return? And what would you like to see done? So, you know, Antonio, with you being our guest, we're going to start it there with you, man. You know, one of the things I like to see is, um, I know Mark Cuban was saying one of the things he'd like to see was uh, taking some of four of those teams and having them play for those final two playoff spots and essentially having a play in. I think mm -hmm. that would be good. Um, I also like that. think that would probably be the way that you will get the most meaningful games if they're saying they want to play six or seven games before this, um, before the playoffs start. Because if you, if you go in and you say, okay, we want virtually all the teams to just come in and play six or seven games. A lot of these teams are looking and saying, why are we doing that? Especially right. say if you're a young team and you sort of had the entire year to evaluate your roster. If you haven't had any significant injuries with respect to your young guys, why do you need to play six or seven more games? Why do you need to, you know, risk your family, risk injury and all those things for six or seven games? If you're a young team that has some injuries, that's different. Yeah, but I agree. if you really want to incentivize those other teams that are fighting for those playoff spots mm -hmm. and making this make this compelling um, as, as you can be given the, the suspension in play, I would think that for those teams that are fighting for a playoff spot, I think you would kind of have them come in and essentially have a play in. I, I like that idea. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, and I just feel that I feel kind of the same. Like like Dame came out and said that. Man, why am I coming to play if I don't really have a chance to come and win? And right, exactly. you know, I, I agree with that. Like, if the guys don't have a chance to win, you have to give them something for them to show up. So something like, like the play-in will be a dope idea. Bruce, uh, what idea would you have for a return for the NBA? Uh, definitely agree with the play-in. That was uh, because my biggest concern is those nine and ten teams who like were right mm -hmm. on the cusp. Like, I don't right. think it's fair with the amount of time they had left. New Orleans was making a push. Memphis was holding on strong. Um, I know the East was kind of like all over the place again, but as every as always, you know, playoff basketball goes up to like the 11th, 12th seed up until basically early April. So right. um, it's good to see that they're trying to figure something out, but I want to see the play in. And then I also want it's, I want them to go with the 16 team format for the playoffs. Yes, after. sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, no question. Up, no question. Going against that, and we can just, you know, we can call it this year. And it's a perfect way to test out what they've been trying to see for a while. Then it also gives us what we've been trying to see, which is the Clippers Lakers uh, finals. Could be Quick. perfect. Um, <laughs> I just like you know mix it up. They, Adam Silver is a smart man, and he had with the All Star game. He did make a big change this year, which was successful. And this, I kind of feel like it. It's like a you know get out of jail free card, or you know he gets a <laughs> a one time shot at 
let me figure something else out just to be fun with it. And we can kind of scrap this later and just say, you know, circumstances. True. So, Philip, yeah. uh, what do you feel about it? Like, do you have any different ideas? Or are you kind of like on the same page with uh, Bruce and Antonio here? Uh, Who's on the plane? Hold <laughs> <laughs> on, yeah. Um, I'm going to end up... Uh, Backing off of both of the guys who went before me, I'm telling you, I'm Bruce. Uh, I think it's a great idea um, for the bubble teams, of course. Um, I like the play-in, and then also uh, talking about some other parts of the, the playoff system, I like it being in one uh, one area because one of the big uh, one of the big you know crit critiques against the NBA playoffs is all that travel you have to do. You playing back-to-back -back nights or whatnot all that travel and whatnot would be, you know, taken out of it. So if they have it at one central location, that'll give those players, you know, the extra rest. They'll be comfortable in the same time zone, especially if you're like a Memphis team, if they, they end up making it in, they're like, you know, way over, you know, east, and then they come way over, you know, to the west coast. You know, that's, that's a big time difference, even though it's two hours, you know, and then, you know, you got to be on the plane, what, three, four hours, whatever it is, um, to get over there, you know, it's a big – big thing but yeah i like the i like the idea of experimenting with the new 16 team uh playoff whereas uh just ranked by it's, it's not by conference it's by just you know your record or whatnot and i saw a bracket of that and it looked interesting man it, it mixes things up um you get a chance to play in the playoffs some team that you haven't already played four times or whatever the amount of times they are if they're in your if you're, they're in your conference or even if they're in your region or whatnot um so it's a lot of benefits and, it, and like bruce was saying like adam silver's a smart guy he's, he's forward thinking um so i think it's a lot of opportunity to experiment with this with this special situation and circumstances so i just want basketball back in general so whatever they decide i'm, I'm <laughs> down, down. all facts so, man, Mike, um, I want you to chime in here next with it. Like, so what would a team like, say, Philadelphia? Because right now Philadelphia is the fifth seed. And, you know, they'll mm -hmm. be going up against, I believe, uh, would it be Boston? It's by, I, be, I think Boston is the fourth seed. But uh, Miami, they'll be going up against Miami. And okay. for them to go from the fifth seed to playing in Miami, so now you may be playing one of those Western Conference teams. They might be saying, like, hey, I, I don't want to do that. Just keep it how it is so that we can have a better chance to make a run instead of, my say, if Philly has to play a Houston in the first round where it would be much tougher. So, Mike, uh, what do you feel about um, just the ideas that you heard so far? What would you add in differently I if feel, you could? Almost, I feel like the format for teams that aren't as confident that – are going into it because first off i would love to see when the season if the season resumes as it looks like it will i would love to see it go straight to playoffs i do understand the play in but i want to see if we're going to do it if we're going to try to get back on a regular schedule i would love to see the already 16 teams we get the top we get the top seed of squads we get to see the cream of the crop already and we have a lot of early finals and second round matchups in the first round that would be that's going that's going to be the best part about this, and let's see, we get to try and test how these teams really will match up with early matchups and great competition. Because they're not going to have to have a, a cupcake to begin with and then get to the more upper upper echelon teams as they go. You get to start off and say, okay, this is the competition. Just like, we, okay, we might have 
we won't have a second round. It could already be just like Bruce was saying, if we already have the Lakers and Clippers, that would be an amazing matchup to see early. Mm -hmm. But it was like, okay, you get to get battle tested against the cream of the crop, and let's get it started. Let's get this season of who's going to get the ring, baby, who you got, who you got, who won it. Exactly. So, Himes, um, you're going to be the last one to chime in on this. First, let me tell you, don't say anything about Boston. <laughs> that, I, I've been waiting for this because I know he's been like he's been salivating. This the 16 seed team playoff bracket. I actually like the concept, especially in this given season. Like, let's be real. This is basically a lost season in all intents and purposes because we didn't get after. Yeah, no, no. If you already Wait, would, you, would you give it an asterisk on this season? This play out fully yet. We didn't get to see it play out fully like it would have done normally. So at this point, I'm all for anything to get basketball on the court. My very, my only issue with this, I like the bracket setup. I like the way that it's put together. I think every matchup is great. You have the Bucks, Magic, you have Heat, Thunder, Lakers, Nets, Jazz, Rockets, Raptors, Grizzlies, Nuggets, Pacers, Clippers, Mavs, and Celtics 76ers in the first round alone. I think that's an all fair balanced pool and every one of those games is gonna be a fun series to watch. It gives NBA fans something different to look forward to, especially since we haven't had basketball. So there's really nothing wrong with it. It's all house money. My only issue is how people have gotten on top of Dame for saying that he didn't want to play. Yeah. Look, the man was in the Western Conference Finals last year, albeit they had no business being there, and we all understand that. They had no he business. He played his ass off to get there. No, no doubt. No doubt. He was watching basically the first round matchup <laughs> in the Western Conference Finals, unfortunately. But my said, what else want me to do? all these reporters are getting on top of Dame for saying this when it's like, let's be real. He doesn't want to risk getting injured. He doesn't want to look at it as a waste of time. He's an NBA all-star. He shouldn't have right. to stay through those games. And I understand the, uh, the converse of he's getting a paycheck. You go out there, you play. It's not like he's not going to be there at all. He's there to support his teammates. But let's be real. The Blazers have had the most injury-prone team this season alone. They've had mm -hmm. a carousel of players. They didn't have Zach Collins for a while, and a lot of the other centers they had Nerd went cheek. down. They had a game Nerd that has been consistent. when they had eight players available, and that was it, right? Mm -hmm. yep. That team, understandably so, why I don't think Dame should have to play, and I think the media and the reporters themselves, including us, need to back off of him because he is the one that's actually lacing it up, putting it on the court, and giving the fans what they want to see night in and night out. We're just the ones that are watching. So that's that's the question I wanted, um, you know, just to chime in like really quick. Um, it's a quick take on it. Like, what do you guys feel about, you know, players who like Dame? Like, man, if I can't go to the playoffs to have a chance to win a championship, why am I going anywhere to leave my family to uh, to play? Like, Antonio, what do you feel about that? Like, not family will be with should, should that should that make them change? Um, up like any process of playing the five games well antonio you you said that you've been around the nba you've been around front offices you know what it's like mm -hmm. right you're in the situation to dictate whether or not your star player right was going to play for those seven games and you did not make the postseason would you want your star player playing those games out no to your point alex like I, for me I, I think again if you're not on the cusp of making it to the playoffs and if you are a young team that's sort of looking to develop your players, so let's let's take Atlanta for example. I can understand them wanting to play those five or six games 
because there's a chance they their guys have been hurt all year. They're young guys. They haven't had a chance to see their full complement of players together. There's a chance that Capella might play. So for them, those six or seven games may be valuable just to see what they have. But that's an extenuating case. But most of these young teams, for example, that are looking to develop their talent, you've had all year to look at these guys. Mm -hmm. So six games, really, that's not going to – if you don't know what you're looking at after 70, 76 games, six more games aren't going to help you arrive at a decision in terms of evaluating guys. Um, but if I'm also one of those um, – a team that – doesn't have a chance to make the playoffs. And I do have a transcendent player that's already established himself as one of those. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had an issue right now where everybody's talking about a load management, right? Yep. Essentially, I would hate to take my, my star guy and load manager. You don't need to play these five or six games. I already know who you are. Dame Lillard's on a Supermax deal. Why do you need to play these five or six games? You know, it, it, it's to me, that doesn't make any sense. And then I'll say this one, and um, going back to the first question, I just want to say this really quick, okay. because I had some personal experience with the, if you go one through 16 or not. So right before I got to the Suns, the Suns didn't make the playoffs and they won 48 games, mm -hmm. which would have made them a four seed or a three seed in the in the East. East yep. So. You know, so if you look at that and you look at that one through 16 that everybody is sort of trying to get to and trying to push toward, which we would like to see, the reality is, and this guy over my shoulder is kind of apropos for this conversation, the West has been deeper than the East for almost 35 years now. We just haven't paid attention to it because that cat was playing in the East, right? So, like, we've seen this kind of imbalance for a long, long time. And that personally impacted me because we had meetings in free agency with trying to get meetings with Pau Gasol, trying to get meetings with LeBron. And they're looking at us and they're like, yeah, you're a lottery team. Well, technically we are, but we won 48 games. So like just get getting to that one through 16, I think would be great. I just wanted to say that because I just had personal experience with that. And I just want to share that with the group. That's yeah, not, definitely. Yeah, no, that, that's a great hey, take. Bro. And um, uh, when he was saying, uh, listeners, I know you can't see us, but what he was pointing <laughs> at was the real 23. Thank that's you. Michael Jordan jersey. Thank yeah. You. yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, Phillips. Sorry about that. I said that, nothing. Phillip. I said nothing. No, I just wanted to let yeah, you know. I got that look on your face, Phil. You yeah, got that look. a little sad. <laughs> I'm sorry, Phil. Yeah, you got that look like I thought LeBron was the real 23. Hey, yeah. I love LeBron though too, man. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not an either or guy. He, he a Hooper, but he, he a Hooper. He a true Hooper, Michael. He a Hooper. I give him that. Hooper. Hey, so right. speaking okay. of the real 23 and the team that he played for, the Chicago Bulls, uh, this week's Throwback Thursday Player of the Week is uh, the one and only number seven for that squad, Tony Kukoc. Listeners, and make he sure had a you, lot of help. He had a lot of help. Man, we'll get out of here. Hey, make sure you guys <laughs> go and check out Courtside Radio. Uh, excuses coming in. So that you can see our Throwback Thursday Player of the Week, Tony Kukoc, who was, you know, a really good foreigner 
at a time where there weren't as many of them. But, you know, the guy was a baller. He wasn't Kevin Love, Kyrie, D-Way, or Chris Bosh. You are but, underselling Tony Kukoc and his He made the way, though. Oh, <laughs> like, 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 they dogged him in, in the Olympics, and then he came back and said, I have to hoop against y'all for real. Yeah, yeah. Like, what do you say? And he played well the next Olympics. Yeah. Like, that's baby, that was Lamar Odom before he got to the league. That's not front. Nah, he wasn't, he wasn't Odom. Mike uh, taking it too far. Tall, nah, he wasn't Odom. Odom. The handle was different for L.O. Yeah. muted. So, uh, throwback, Mike. Mike Get a dick. Get a dick, on. Terrible day. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, throwback Thursday, player of the week, Tony Coach. Make sure you guys check out our Courtside Radio Instagram page so you can see highlights of him going to work. Uh, once again, Courtside Radio with the starting five. We are here. We got our uh, special guest, Antonio Williams. Uh, the whole five is here, man. It's lit. And this is Courtside Thursday. Y'all know y'all love us. But just to move it along, um, man, so I just had a topic I wanted to talk about and I wanted I wanted to hear you guys talk about it because I know my take on it and I want the listeners to know. Um, so we see the issue with players going straight to the G League and it might be a problem because, you know, we we don't know what's going on with the NCAA and if guys want to go and play in college. But uh, now they're going to pay the athletes, so they're going to be able to get money off their likeness and uh, other ways that they can. So I was wondering, would it be more appealing if in college that you can go in and your major can be sports? Pretty much saying that you can go in and you can take courses that are going to teach you how to um, how to be a pro, you know, how to be a pro. Um, Money not, management. Not on the court, but like off the court, you know, dealing with media, um, having staff work for you and having an entourage. So um, Antonio, I want you to start it here first. Like, do you think that would be something more appealing for the for uh, athletes? And um, I, I do, um, I really do, especially looking at it from uh, just having the um, experience and having the fortune of working in uh, sports marketing at Nike and basketball. And uh, one of the sayings I like to use all the time is um, you had to have been there before you get there. And mm. oftentimes you have players failing. When you look in the NBA, players will fail oftentimes not because of the talent, because the reality is when we're evaluating them, we all know basketball. And with yeah. watching all the games and watching Synergy, you have so many different sample sizes for these players. It's easy to ascertain if they can play or not. More times than not, when guys fail, it's very rare that a guy fails because he's just not good enough to be in the NBA. It's all of those other things that come into the um, equation that sort of dictate and predict whether Mental. or not a guy's exactly right. Exactly right. So like what organization that player is in? Is that organization investing in their personal development? Your exposure, especially, especially given the fact that you're drafting young guys, yeah. right? Yes. That aren't quote unquote fully developed from a uh, mental standpoint. So if you invest in their development off the floor and have that infrastructure in place and also give them some of the answers to the test before they get there, your fail rate will probably not be as high. So um, I certainly think that's, and then the other thing too, and I can say this as an athlete also, part of the reason why corporate America loves athletes is because we can multitask, we're competitive, we can be part of a team. So all of those aspects are good for when you go and work for a company. But when you play basketball in particular, it's a two semester sport. So with you being so competitive, 
you are always self-diagnosing and figuring out the answers to your own uh, problems. That's part of being an athlete. That's part of being competitive. Oftentimes, we don't know how to ask for help. We don't know when we need help. And with it also being a two-semester uh, sport, we often miss out on internships. We miss out on studying abroad. All of these things that the normal student gets a chance to partake in and embark on that will help them in their respective careers once they graduate, those are things that oftentimes we don't get. So we need to have those built into our curriculum when we go to represent these universities, especially when you go and do it at the highest level you're going to play in the league or be a pro. No, I agree. Uh, uh, Bruce, what's your take on it, man? What do you feel about it? I definitely think it can definitely be something that, you know, is is brought up or talked about, but in different ways. It's like a college could have the class as far as like sports and just how to be mature there, but also think of the NBA. What if that first year or two, when you're in the G League, during that time, you're also taking a class and like that group of kids or Maybe they offer it to a bunch of players in the G League who are young or just young rookies and draftees and like all the guys in the first two to three years of their career where they actually just take a class given by either the NBA or the teams as a whole um, to where it could be online now because of how we do things or whatever it may be, but just smart parts of it that are included in like your journey to the NBA. You know, like you just got here, but this is probably like, part of it and like you don't get a certain amount of your money or something like that like you know like it, it's it, at the end of the day it's always about the money for these kids and they have these families here so I all I do think that we're going to get those handful of kids that for sure go to the G League and then you get the rest that are going to have to go to college um, and there's money at all levels now so it's, it's really not going to make a difference but that that's the problem is these kids need help and yeah. however they're gonna give it to them, even don't don't punish them and say just because you're going pro, you can't learn these things. You know, they're saying if you're coming to the G League, we're gonna give you money for school anyway. Yeah. So just make it a required class for pretty much every athlete, and you know, expand. The schools have tons of money. You can give each athlete the same class. I'm sure it's pretty easy. True. So Philip, what's your take on it, man? That's a good good take there, Bruce. Uh, what about you, Philip? What you feel? Um, I want to compliment the NBA and their like strives to make classes available for those incoming rookies, like the rookie symposium and all the stuff that they do. So they do have some classes that you know teach rookies coming in. But just as a bigger picture, I think like there needs to be like financial literacy classes like starting in high school, not just in you know college, but just as a Black American, like. A lot of us that play sports come from an underprivileged household where they don't have anybody teaching them these financial skills that they'll need to be successful later on in life. So it starts a lot earlier than, you know, when you get to college. And as far as like um, uh, a major, I don't think it should be a full major because then that's where uh, college is going to take advantage of that and have, you know, guys not going to class or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, it, it opens up a big box for, oh, you can just major in sports? Okay, well, I'm just going to go to practice every day, and that counts as, you know what I'm saying? There's always going to be some loopholes for those, you know, schools that look look for that. But I think there is, a uh, like Bruce and uh, Antonio was saying, like a couple courses while you're in class, 
um, I mean, while you're in school, definitely is needed. Um, but just in a broader sense, uh, all Americans need some type of financial literacy course. And I, I would say start that in high school um, and then, you know, further develop on it in college. And then if you're fortunate enough to make it to the pros, then they have those uh, programs implemented to keep you around. But you got these kids coming out at 18, 19 that are taking care of, you know, 20 people on the side because they're the only one. You know, that's a lot of pressure on them. And and that's why I think that's why I think they need to be taught on it. Uh, Mike, what's your take on this uh, whole ordeal? Like, do you see this being something possible for the athletes? I feel like it has to be more implemented into how they're going to take it as how are we going to still keep our cream of the crop or our top tier players? Because we know the G League is the number one option for the players, for majority of the for majority of the players who have that financial need or just have the family that is an actual not even just desperation but they are in lower income housing and things of that nature and this is this could help your family so it's like it's not like there's a lot of players who are doing it more for their family but i love to see that you take the top players make it happen for them but you have to have the other players prove themselves more outside before they get into the college system now NCAA, NCAA needs to come back. All the games, we have to pay the players. So what, what, what you got, Himes? Uh, what do you feel hey. about it before we get out of here? I personally think that the NCAA has done a terrible job prepping athletes abroad, period. We're talking about from all levels. The You, you have the D1 athletes who you know for the top, let's go 5%, like the John Walls, the top 5, 10 picks, right? The guys who have the most... Uh, media behind them, the Zion, the, even the Mac McClungs, who've been on social media, get the most attention these days. Mm-hmm. Number two transfer prospect. Yeah. And no every- question. Texas Tech. Yep. Texas Tech, number two. And they, uh, everyone else becomes an afterthought. So it's important that every kid gets given some type of course, whether that's immediately while they're actually on campus or on the side. They have coaches that actually duel as either people who help uh, athletes start to learn how to manage their bank account, have them start learning how to do management on the side, give them something because it's not just like you need a little bit. Athletes it, as a whole need a system for post-playing career. When you think about tennis players, tennis players have a day job as well. Let's be real. You think about golf players, the semi-pro players, they have day jobs. NBA players, most of the time, your focus immediately is on the NBA, the NFL, same thing. The top three sports, like baseball, even hockey to some degree, True. most of these guys, I feel like, have regular jobs too. You know, everyone needs their fair share of help. And the NCAA hasn't done enough to actually give the athletes as a whole that help that they need. So it's time that they step up and possibly pair with these sports to give them those advantages. Because economics, baby. Yeah, before we get out of here, um, once again, Courtside Radio with the starting five, man. Antonio, we thank you so much for joining us. Can you drop your social media tags one more time before we go? Sure. You can find me on A.Williams Basketball. That's across all channels. Again, I appreciate you guys having me. I, I, this has been Love. great. I hope to do it again. This has been awesome. I appreciate yep. you. This yep. is so course, our radio. Hey, before we get out of here, just to uh, finish it up, man, uh, with our with my guys here, the starting five, and our guest, Mr. Antonio Williams, man. Um, you know, the hating ass Mike Kell segment usually is a segment where uh, I, I piss my guys off a little bit. 
because I'm probably talking about Brian or one of his favorite players. But this week is on a ser- more serious note. Uh, man, I I just have to I have to hate on what's going on with uh, in, in Minnesota or what happened. Uh, rest in peace to George uh, Floyd. And it's just crazy with me, you know, with me being a black male and most of us being black males. I know we got our light-skinned brother, Himes, here. But, um, man, it's just, it's like, when when is enough enough, um, you know, when it comes to our people being killed? Uh, just, man, a guy couldn't breathe and they wouldn't take it and now his life is gone. Uh, I don't know if you guys seen, but he was someone I was really close to, Steven Jackson, mm-hmm. who's doing a great job with his show with Matt Barnes. But man, it's just an issue that we have to solve as a people, as a country, and uh, as a world with uh, with the things Africans, African-Americans just go through in general, man. So I just had to uh, bring that up because I just think it's something that, that really has to be discussed. And the bigger the platform you have, the bigger name that you have, that you can't forget about what's going on. You know, it can't, these guys can be convicted for murder, which they should be. We can't stop there. It must continue to be a conversation because it just seems like it's just something that's been going on forever and we need to try to fix it. Uh, Antonio, I don't know if you want to chime in on anything about it. Yeah, um, again, to your point, I, I echo all of your sentiments and, and um, you know, especially given the fact that um, the vast majority of us here that are gathered here share that same uh, ethnicity. So with that being said, um, I, I think when you have, one of the things they always tell us, let's make, make a sports reference here, when a person has an injury, we always hear doctors say that once that, say they break their leg or something of that nature, once they sustain, once they sustain that, inju- that injury, one of the things that happens is once you start healing, they start telling you that that area that was injured actually comes back stronger. So the trauma built up resistance. And when you look at us as a people, the trauma that we've gone through, one of, one of the sayings that people say all the time is we don't look like what we've been through, right? Yeah. And, and the, the trauma that is built up and the other thing that's happened as well with that trauma, building up that resistance for us, we often always say, we just let it roll off our tongue that we always have to work twice as hard to get half the credit, right? Yeah. So to a certain extent, that toughness, that that ability, to, that resistance, that ability for us to stick through and persevere, it sometimes works against us because nine times we work through that trauma, work through it, work through it, work through it. Then on the 10th time, we say something and the person that's the perpetrator of that trauma looks and says, well, I just hit you nine times and you didn't say anything. You just kept moving forward. So sometimes our toughness and our our trauma, that resistance that we have works against us because people think we're superhuman. So we have to make sure that every step of the way where we see some injustice, where we see things that's happening, we have to stop it and say something the minute that we see it and not just say, okay, we're just gonna and keep put our head down and not mm, say pushing. Address it on the spot. That's my feeling. What do you feel about it, Bruce? I just wanted to tell everybody, you know, like, I understand we're all in pain right now. We're tired. We're angry. Um, just understand that this has always gone on. It, it, it's been this way pretty much since the beginning. 
um, it's just magnified now because of the, the social media platforms and things of that such. But just, I just want everybody to be safe, understand that at the end of the day, for us to make a change, we need to be here. So we have to learn to survive in this world that they have built uh, for everyone, you know, like, so we, we have to make sure that we're here to protect each other and be there for each other. So I understand we're going out and going crazy right now. Um, I understand we're angry, but just understand we need to survive. So let's do that first. Let's make sure that we live. And then we can, we can, this road is going to be long, very, very long. Mm -hmm. it, it's on it. They, they had us down for so long. I mean, honestly, they just freed us. It didn't feel like yesterday, you know, but. Yeah. Relatively, it is. On the new, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, when, yeah, as yeah. long as we were down, as long as, like, they say we've been free, and it, like, it hasn't been that long. So it's going to be tough to turn this around. I know we're making a change, and I know, like, people understand that things are different, but just as much as there's the good people and the folks that understand there will always be the bad. Um, so just let's, just let's just be there for each other. Philip, any words? Uh, yeah, this is a tough one for me. Um, just to see like that man there, and just see like his his life just slowly drain out of his body is like tough to watch. But I want to piggyback on what Bruce said, and that has always been around. But you know, luckily uh, we have some social media around, and you know, phones that have cameras on them, so that we can capture all the stuff. Because as far as they know, the police say he was resisting arrest. So if we hadn't had any type of uh, video footage to back that up, you know, that would have been the end of the story. True. Um, uh, I don't know, man, it's tough, but I do want to give, you know, a shout out, just bringing it back to basketball, like LeBron James using his platform, you know, mm -hmm. to, you know, show awareness to that. I think that's, that's important that, you know, if you have that big of a platform, you know, to actually go out there and um, use it for the right, for the right reasons, so. Yeah. Man, thanks for those words. Uh, Mike, what's your take on this? I feel like this was another simple portrayal of systematic racism, but it's like these things have been implemented from long time ago. Because if you think about the police never, never began. Well, the reason they began was the slave capture unit. So it's like, it's not that their, our best effort is at their best interest is what is the best for monopolizing or monetizing on the incarceration rate? And who can we incarcerate the most by putting the most bylaws and things against what most people have to go through just to survive? But we see it as another, as another just a portrayal of this. And it's like, you, at some point you get tired, but it's like, if you want to see different, you have to act different. If you want to see change, you have to be the change you want to see. Mm -hmm. There's no reason that people want to still talk about it when we all know this has been going on for generations. This ain't nothing new. Everybody can talk about it. Let's vote. Let's do that. No, we really have to come together and make a real change. Yeah, and hey, that's perfect words, man. Um, and I think that is real, man. Like, it's been going on for so long. Like, I had a couple buddies. I had a friend last year who was killed by the police and a friend who about five years ago was killed by the police and it's just something that's real and something that we have to deal with so uh himes you know with us being uh african-american males you're gonna have a different take on this so man what's what do you what's your feeling on uh this whole ordeal 
Look, um, two points I'll start out with. I, I've always steadfast said, you know, this is a show, regardless, it's with minorities. I'm a Jewish male. My people have been persecuted. And thankfully, we've been able to turn that bad luck into fortune, but also on the opposite end of the stick. You look at me, you see white. So I get classified into a category that is quote unquote looked at as higher just by by the social stigmas and the classes and the mechanisms that we built and reinforced over years. You know, I wrote a paper in college about how uh, MMA and martial arts in general, its foundation was actually founded in Christianity. What you see after the ends of fights, when you see uh, fighters going and doing the cross on their chest, they're looking up and pointing to God. That's all based in the origins of Christianity, of which was founded with the MMA originally when you look back at mixed martial arts fighting back decades ago. And you see that now, and I I mentioned that point because Mike hit the nail on the head. You talk about how the police force was founded. When you have an origin point that says a specific thing, and that points out that we are putting this together to go after people that we view as lesser than equal, no matter what you do, including the evolution of that, you can try and weed it out. But until you address the original point and the creation point, then there's not going to be any change that can be seen. So in order for us to make a major difference with the police, with how we view us as a society, and I'm not talking about just us, I'm talking about minorities as a whole, but especially in this moment in particular, African-American lives, black lives, the only way to do so is to get a new change going from the top to the bottom, bringing in people who actually understand issues and police in the neighborhood that they know and understand and possibly grew up in, as opposed to being a white guy from the suburbs who's policing in downtown LA, as -hmm. opposed to being just any given person that doesn't understand the area, doesn't understand the people in the area, doesn't understand what it's like to be from that area or hasn't been cultured as a whole. This is just true disgust. I see people getting their lives taken. It doesn't matter whether you're black or white, no life should be taken. In this instance, even more so, it matters because it's specifically targeting race. And we take a look back and see how Kaepernick takes a knee. And here we are seeing a police officer, a white police officer, that has been noted to have multiple issues with racial violence in the past, Mm -hmm. doing the same thing on someone's neck that eventually led to their death. Didn't we see this a couple of years ago when someone basically said the same thing, I can't breathe, who got pulled down, who was killed while he was supposedly stealing a pack of cigarettes. Yeah, and this is just an absolutely disgusting place where we are in society. And the athletes- It's up to to guys like us. Guys like us make that change. Using our platform, we're doing not just the platform. Think about us as a group. We're Mm -hmm. very different people from very different parts of the city, from the parts of the country, and shit. You got a white dude on here. Let's be real. No, true. Yeah. You see that? You set a change, a standard, a new standard that people can follow. And I'm hopeful that once we utilize this social media platform, as it is shown that it's not just something that's coming out of the blue. This has been going on in history for decades. But now, like we've said, we have the social media platform to showcase it. So no one can be ignorant to it anymore. And now that we have that platform, I am praying to God that we are able to utilize it properly and make a major change because it's time to do so. And and that's that should be the plan for everyone who's doing big time things. 
you know, when it comes to their career is that once you get this money, this power, this respect, use that to help those who are in need. And it's just a terrible situation that, you know, we're going to have to deal with these next few weeks, but it shouldn't stop there. It should be carried on and we just need change, man. But I, I, I thank I, you guys. No, one thing yeah. I want to note before we go is there yep. was a, a really well put together tweet by one of our own, Nick Hamilton from, yeah. uh, from Good News Radio. Shout His out Nick. Reads, it is not the responsibility of black folks to solve racism. It's True. the responsibility of the forefathers who created it and those who continue to perpetuate it to end it. Until we, uh, uh, until we as a people organize and strategize, these acts of murder and brutality will continue to happen. And I think and, that hits the nail on the head. Yep, and I totally agree that we just have to become organized as a people. And that's the way that that uh, Martin did it. You know, it was organized. It's the way Malcolm did it. It was organized. And then from there, we can, you know, figure out ways to really make a change happen. But, man, we thank you guys for tuning in and listening to us here at Corsair Radio with the starting five with our special guest, Antonio Williams. Make sure you guys check out his work. Man, for you guys tuning in on the Good News Radio app, Thank you for the love. Spotify, thank you for the love. Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Play. YouTube. Hey, YouTube. We thank you guys oh, because, hey, without you guys, man, you know, that, that support and that love that you guys give us by just listening to us and shouting us out is, man, so grateful. Um, Touchdown with and Tangents comes on next. You know, Corsair Radio, starting five, repping that good news radio sports, man. Thank you so much, Antonio, once again, for joining us. And we thank Appreciate everybody it. for listening to us. Michael, the PG says we are out. Peace.